You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, did you get a chance to catch any of the GP this weekend? I did. I did catch some of the GP this weekend. This format eludes me, Ben. (laughs) I do not understand what is going on. I mean, I know that there was a lot of different opinions about the format or maybe different levels of experience with it because it's not in the Pro Tour. So a lot of the pros are probably not investing a lot of time in M19. But still, man, I got to say, I, I'm feeling at sea a little bit these days in M19. How, how about you? Did you get a chance to check any of the coverage? Yeah, I watched a, a fair bit of the GP. I watched a lot of Craig Wesco's draft and a couple others. The picks were a little questionable to me, I thought, at times. Felt like people were forcing. I mean, even like, you know, we talk about drafting with preferences. I thought they were taking that a little bit to the extreme. I, I definitely would have made some different picks than people. But again, I'm not an MTG pro, but I still feel, you know, fairly confident in my approach to the format. Yeah, and you are finished with Bandcamp, is that correct? You made it through week two? I am. I survived. School starts up in two days. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Two days? Two days. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, gosh, you guys start so early. Yep. That's crazy. Well, how about a scale of one to unprepared? How do you feel? <laughs> we are a maximum unprepared. <laughs> oh, no. Like these pros coming into M19 draft. Well, it's a good thing you're recording a podcast about magic right now. Yep. Wouldn't have it any other way. So did you have a chance to do any drafts this week? That's the real question. We got to check in on that trophy leaderboard. I did. I don't know how many I did. I did a bunch for me. I mean, like considering it was Bandcamp week. So I'm now at 28 drafts, still at nine trophies. I didn't trophy at all this week. 64 and 20 record and a 76% win rate. I have like six or seven finals losses to my name this week. Yeah, you texted me earlier. You were like, man, I got M19 hard. And I was like, oh, finally, Ben has experienced (laughs) the variance that this format has to offer. And I was like, what happened? And he was like, I lost in the finals three times. I was like, no, no, no. I need some O2s. I need some salt. That's what I need to feel better about myself. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I didn't deliver that. Where are you at these days? Uh, I am 78 drafts deep with 22 trophies uh, for a 146 to 79 win-loss record, and I got my win rate at 65%, and I don't think I'm going to be able to get it much higher than that in this format. It is hard once you dip. That's how I felt with Dominaria. Like, I hit that initial, like, terrible 15 draft streak, and then I felt like I was doing fine in the format after that, but it's so hard to recover if you have one chunk of a bunch of O2s or 1-2s. Yeah, but I'm th- that chunk keeps coming up. Like I, I've had a patch of a few, you know, one two o twos in a row. Yeah, I still am not feeling like I got a good handle on it. So maybe, maybe going through some drafts today will help me out. Get to pick your brain a bit more. But before we get into any of that, we got to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is the place to go to give back to the show if you so choose. And we want to incentivize folks as much as possible to do that. Give you some perks for doing so if you feel like the show is giving you an edge in your FNM, in your MTGO grinding, in your GPs. We had some sweet, sweet action in the Discord this weekend, getting to track people day twoing and making some pretty incredible runs in the GPs, and that was great. Uh, so we do give you access to the Lords of Limited Discord for any donations to the podcast. 
podcast. Uh, and that's going to be the place to be to talk about anything and all things limited magic. It's really fantastic to still get to see the trophy decks that people are posting. People are now getting to the nitty gritty of like, what is this build? What do I cut? Let's talk about what this deck is trying to do. All that sort of good stuff. Uh, we give you access to the show notes and a pre-show recording for some higher tier donations. And we also want to make sure we shout out everyone. And we've got a lot again this week, which is fantastic. So we want to welcome Miguel, Callum, Alexander, Calvarian, Joel, Raider Ray, Olifer, Declan, Jethro, Harriet, Oliver, Nate, Diego, Christian, Drew, Chris, and Christian. We got an O oh baby a triple this week. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, everybody. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. And huge congrats to everybody that day two'd GP Minnesota. I know we had S. Doherty that was in the 12th at the mm-hmm. GP and a couple other people, Ridyell and Zaxkit, that were talking in the off topic section of the Discord uh, about their day two success. So congrats to all of you guys. Yeah, that is super awesome. So I feel like we we got 12th place. Uh, yes, obviously. I think that's how it works. So Ben and I tied for 12th place this weekend. Not really a big deal. <laughs> but we do want to move into our main topic now, which is we are going to look at a bunch of drafts from the GP. You know, we usually get pretty excited when Pro Tour season comes around and we get to see how the pros are drafting the format and compare our pleb selves to what their choices were. But we don't really get that this time because the Pro Tour is a team event for Constructed. Blah. So we're going to take a look at the drafts from this weekend, from day two of the GP, and see how our picks lined up with some of the folks that uh, managed the day two, that event. Yeah. So what do we got going on for us first here, Ben? First one we've got here for you is Craig Wesco's day two in the draft, the first series of drafts. So are you ready to take a seat at the round table? Oh, baby, am I? All right. Pack one, pick one. You open the following options. There's Vampire Sovereign, three black black for the three four flyer that when it ETBs, drain three, gain three. The Siege Flyno, as it was dubbed on coverage. Enigma Drake, one blue red for the O4 that gets plus one plus O for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard. Vine Mare, two green green for the five three hexproof, can't be blocked by black creatures. Relevant text is relevant. And Shock. Uh, single red, the instant, deal two damage to target creature or player or planeswalker now, I suppose. And Gigantosaurus, five green mana for the 10-10 dinosaur. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of powerful uncommons here. I think I would probably narrow it down to Sovereign versus Vine Mare. And this is a really tough pick for me because I have felt really clogged at the five drop slot, which is pretty funny because I think I made some comment in my set review with Travis when we were doing it on stream that I thought there wasn't a lot to do at five mana and especially in black, green and white, but maybe even also blue. I just feel like there's so many things at five, maybe just especially in that black, white life gain deck. You're just like, well, I could have Lich's Caress or I could have Angel of the Dawn or I could have Epicure of Blood or I could have Regal Bloodlord or I could have Vampire Sovereign. And all of a sudden you have seven five drops and your curve is terrible. Right. I think the problem is that there's like good commons, like some of the best commons are five drops and then all of the busted uncommons are five drops. Yeah, right. So while I think Vampire Sovereign is one of those busted uncommons, it's a fantastic card. I just get nervous about the amount of five drops I'm going to have. And I also think that maybe Vine Mare is just a better card in general. And so I think I would lean Vine Mare. Um, but this pick seems pretty close to me. Yeah, it's super close. I was also between Vine Mare and Vampire Sovereign. I think I would land on Vampire Sovereign just because I like 
playing that black white life gain so much. Uh, but I don't think you can go wrong here. And if you're wrong, it's not by that much. So I think I would have landed on Vampire Sovereign, but very, very, very close with Vinemare. Craig took shock. Okay, so Craig Wesco is he's he's got a bit of a reputation as like a, a white weenie aggro player, I think. Yes. So it doesn't surprise me that he might lean at, towards an aggressive strategy here, red-white being, I think, at the forefront of the aggro decks in the format. And I also think, and this was comment was made by, I think, both Paul Rietzel and Paolo, but especially uh, Paul Rietzel on commentary this weekend, which was that because M19 isn't part of the Pro Tour, you probably have some pros who have that Pro Tour coming up next week who have not been practicing or have not maybe even played any M19. Like Christian Calcano tweeted when he day to the format, he was like, great, excited for my first draft of this format tomorrow morning. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and so I wonder if Craig Wesco might have been in a similar boat. I mean, he came off 9-0 and from the sealed portion of the GP. Um, so clearly had a strong handle on whatever his pool was. His pool was like a red-white medium aggro deck. I saw a picture of it on Twitter. Really? How do you 9-0 that? Wow. So maybe he was just trying to run it back. I don't know. But that I think there are a lot of different explanations for why taking uh, shock here is where he landed. Yeah, I think so too. But so let me ask you this. Like we talk about drafting with preferences all the time. And I feel like at times, like I've seen in the Discord or in Twitch chat, people use that as like a a flag for making less than optimal draft picks at times. Mm -hmm. And I think you're taking a significant dip in power level here. So to me, Vinemare Vampire Sovereigns are both B, B plus maybe, and Shock is like a C plus. I think Shock's like a C. I think most people have Electrify as the better uh, common over Shock these days. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think you are taking a pretty significant hit in power level here for, for what may be a preference pick. But uh, what do I know? I, I've never 9-0'd a GP. <laughs> right. Okay, so Craig's got Shock in his pile. I've got Vampire Sovereign. You've got a Vine Mare. Moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following options. Epicure of Blood, four and a black for the 4-4. Four, four, and whenever you gain a life, each opponent loses a life. Disperse, one and a blue for the instant. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Blood Divination, three and a black as an additional cost to cast it. Sacrifice a creature, and then you draw three cards. Marauder's Axe, two mana for the equipment that has an equipped cost of two. Equipped creature gets plus two plus oh. Goblin Motivator, single red for the one one that has tap. Target creature gains haste until end of turn. Meteor Golem, seven mana for the three three artifact creature when it ETBs destroy target non-land permanent. And another Vine Mare, two green green for the five three hexproof. Uh, I mean, you saved the best for last. I would slam Vinemare. If it's good enough for first picking, it's good enough for second picking. Yeah, I would also be slamming Vinemare here, even with Vampire Sovereign. I think at this point in the draft, we're still trying to take, you know, highest power level card, trying to stay one colored if we can. That's not really an option here because Epicure of Blood's way worse than Vinemare. Um, so I would be slamming Vinemare as well with you. Craig landed on Marauder's Axe to follow up his shock. So this pick leads me to believe that he has not drafted the format very much. Because if you want a Marauder's Axe, if you want two Marauder's Axes, you can get them. You're going to get them, baby. You don't need to take him second pick. Yep. I think a bit of a, a bit of a missed pick here. And I think Vinemare's, even if you start with Shock, I think Vinemare's probably the correct pick, pack one, pick two. Moving on to pack one, pick three, you see the following options. Invoke the Divine, two and a white for the instant, destroy target artifact or enchantment, you gain four life. Gravedigger, three and a black for the 2-2 when it ETBs, return a creature from your graveyard to your hand. 
abnormal abdominal endurance as it were <laughs> uh one on a black for the instant target creature gets plus two plus oh and if it would die this turn return it from the graveyard to play tapped under its owner's control and bristling boar three and a green for the four three can't be blocked by more than one creature sure strike one and a red for the instant target creature gets plus three plus oh and first strike until end of turn Salvager of Secrets, three blue blue, when it ETBs, return target instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand, and Enigma Drake, one blue red for that 0-4 that gets plus one plus O for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard and has flying. This is going to be probably on rails for me a little bit going forward, just because I've started off with two Vine Mares. I'm just going to be grabbing anything green and good, and I think Bristling Boar is green and good, so I'm going to grab that here. Yeah, and with me having Vampire Sovereign and Vine Mare in my pile, that Gravedigger is looking pretty appealing. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to follow up my Vine Mare pick with a Gravedigger here and just feel out, you know, maybe I'm black green, maybe I'm just black, maybe I'm just green. Uh, but I think still taking the best card in the pack in one of my two colors is a good option for me. And Craig here lands with a Shock and a Marauder's Axe in his pile, lands on Enigma Drake, which I think makes a lot of sense for him. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to just bring up something right here because I'm already starting to feel my M19 anxieties creep up as I start off the draft with <laughs> three, four drops. So like, look at the, the picks that we've taken to illuminate from these first three packs. Other than some tricks, shock, disperse, and abnormal endurance, there's nothing to do before turn three other than a, a goblin motivator, I guess we could talk about. So I have this feeling right now, and I've had this before in a lot of drafts where I'm like, great, I have like Vine Mare, Vine Mare, Bristling Boar. If I don't see three Druid of the Cowls, my deck is terrible because there's nothing to do on turn two in green. You've got Rabid Bite. Do I want to play that derpy 2-2 Vigilance for two? Probably not, unless I've got a bunch of auras. There's just not a lot to do in the early game, but then there are also these decks that can run you over. These like red-white aggro decks that take advantage of like the motivator and the the two drops that are two ones and three ones or multiple one ones, etc. That you can sort of get uh, steamrolled by if you don't have that early defense. And I just feel this like weird awkward tension between like trying to draft a powerful deck that can you know go toe-to-toe with some of the more powerful decks in the format or some of the decks that happen to get bombs in the format so i have to deal with those but i also then have to have a good plan against these right out the gate aggro decks and especially starting off in green which is the color that i've drafted the most of i i feel that that like i need the dried green seeker i need the druid of the cows or my deck is not going to work yeah i hear you i definitely prefer to have druid of the cows or dried of the green seekers uh, dryad of the green seekers dryad green seekers but if i don't have those cards i'm i'm jamming some highland games and some sentinels in my deck and playing a 2-2 vigi or playing a 2-1 that when it dies i gain two life i mean you just have to have a curve and i think my green deck with two vine mares in it i want to beat down with so i want to play two drops anyway and if i don't get true to the cows yeah my deck's gonna be a little worse but you just have to play two drops all right that makes sense to me yeah so i don't think you should feel bad if you don't get the druid of the cows about putting highland games or whatever the sentinel guy is called so those are my thoughts yeah i appreciate that all right moving on to pack one pick four so to recap craig's got shock marauders axe enigma drake you've got two vine mares and a boar i've got vampire sovereign vine mare and a grape digger so already three very different routes through this draft pack one pick four you see the following options there's a mighty leap one in a white plus two plus two and flying to a creature doom to center one in a black for the one one that when it dies you get a two two zombie take vengeance one in a white destroy target tapped creature giant spider three in a green for the two four reach thud single red as an additional cost to cast it sacrifice a creature thud deals damage equal to the sacrificed creature's power to any target 
Ether Shield Artificer, 3 and a white for the 3-3, and at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may have target artifact. Creature gain plus 2, plus 2, and indestructible until end of turn. And Liliana, untouched by death. I have no idea what she does. I know she's unplayable in draft. Two black, black. Can you help me out here? Something, something, zombie. Something, something, zombie. <laughs> something, something, <laughs> ultimate zombie, I think is what it says. Perfect. Uh, yeah, unplayable in draft, except was played on GP coverage yesterday. Ooh. Yeah. Maria Bartholdi was very surprised. She was like, I really thought that was unplayable, but here we are. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to take Liliana. I'm not going to take Giant Spider. I'm not going to add to my collection of four drops in green here. I think I would grab Take Vengeance as probably the best card in a pack other than maybe the Artificer if, you're, if you've got those synergies brewing. But that's not going to happen for me in white green if I get to play my first three picks. So I'm just going to grab the removal spell here and Take Vengeance. Yeah, for me, this is a tough pick i think between doom to center as a curve consideration like just wanting a two drop at this point but even then i'm not that excited about that one and take vengeance which is a good removal spell i've only got the one green card so far in vine mare and i think at this point i don't know that i'm black i haven't seen much good black i first picked the vampire sovereign so i think i would be on take vengeance i'm really valuing having as many removal spells as i can get my hands on because i am tired of losing to creatures with open form on them do you have any consideration to the conditionality of take vengeance or other removal spells when you take them here? Like, how many take vengeances are you excited to have in a deck? Three. Three? Yep. I want to be able to interact with what my opponent's doing. There's so many bombs. Like, you just have to not lose. <laughs> There's something about that. Three of them? because you're So you're already taking a hit from those creatures or you're chumping against them and you're okay with that? I think I am. That's better than dying to them in like over the course of three turns. Yeah. And you're not always drawing all three take vengeance. I think that's pretty rare, right? Yeah. Because you're increasing increasing your chances that you're going to have one at the opportune moment. Yeah, I've just gotten burned from like having them stuck in my hand and not being able to fire them off. But I, I think I got to move away from that. So yeah. All right. So take vengeance is just great. And let's have three of them. Sounds good. I don't know. That's just great. It's like the fifth or sixth best white common. But I mean... It's a removal spell mm -hmm. in a format where there's not tons of removal floating around. Uh, Craig lands on Ether Shield Artificer. So maybe thinking about audibling into some sort of a, a blue-white artifact stick. I guess, but like with with what else? I guess with his Marauder's Axe. Yeah. I mean, just ab abandoning the Shock and Enigma Drake. I mean, he's still trying to feel out of lane, right? He's, he's probably feeling pretty bad about that first pick Shock. I would be feeling <laughs> miserable. Yeah. I'd be in a full why me mode. <laughs> Yeah, moving on to pack one, pick five, you see the following options. Goblin Motivator, single red for the 1-1 one, one that can give something haste. Rocks Oracle, four and a green for the 4-2. When it ETBs, you draw a card. Macabre Waltz, one and a black for the sorcery uh, as an additional cost. No, return two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand and then discard a card. Uh, Daybreak Chaplain, one and a white for the 1-3 with a lifelink. Vivian's Invocation, five green green for the sorcery. Uh, when you cast it, reveal the tops or look at the top seven of your library, reveal a creature card from among them, put it onto the battlefield, and then that creature punches uh, target creature and opponent controls, so deals damage equal to its power, but they don't fight. And then Leon and Vanguard, single white for the 1-1. One, one. If you have three or more creatures on your side of the battlefield at the beginning of combat, it gets plus one, plus one, and you gain a life. Yeah, this pick, I think, is between the two green cards for me, the Rocks Oracle and the Invocation. And I don't like Invocation that much. 
but I have three creatures so far that are pretty good with it. So I feel like the upside of taking it here seems worthwhile that then I can maybe continue to like draft with this card in mind, but I've never been mad about a rocks Oracle. So I could take that here, but I would continue to have my M19 anxieties of how high my curve is. I think I would be on Vivian's invocation if I were you. And I think for me also, I think, Oh no, I had the, I misspoke. I thought I only had one black card. I had two black cards earlier, the vampire sovereign and the grave digger. I think for me, I'm still taking Vivian's invocation here and I'm probably just committing to green black at this point. I think maybe not. I could still be white. Who knows? Patrick with the shock, the Marauder's axe, the Enigma Drake, the ether shield artificer lands on goblin motivator. So steering back towards maybe that red, white aggressive deck that he started out wanting to draft. I think that's a good place to wrap it up there. As you can see, we've got three very different routes going through the draft here. I think yours might have been the cleanest route through the draft uh, going vine mare into vine mare. You've got a lot of flexibility. Craig ended up on a blue white deck that, you know, underperformed a little bit. I think he passed a lot of good cards, was frequently in a spot where he was taking not the best card out of the pack for his deck uh, and ended up going one, two. All right, let's take another look at a draft from day two. This is Kentaro Yamamoto. You ready, ready to take a seat here, Ben? I am. Let's do it. All right, pack one, pick one, cards in consideration. You see a Sure Strike, a Bristling Boar, a Grave Digger, an Enigma Drake, a Boggart Brute, this is two and a red for a 3-2 Goblin with Menace. And your rare in the pack is Thorn Lieutenant. This is one and a green for a 2-3. Whenever Thorn Lieutenant becomes the target of a spell or ability your opponent controls, hello, Starcrown Stag, you get to make a 1-1 Elf Creature Token and has the activated ability of five and a green to give it plus four, plus four until end of turn. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to quickly narrow this down to Thorn Lieutenant, Gravedigger, and Bargart Brute. I don't want to start with Enigma Drake as a gold card. Thorn Lieutenant is probably the most intrinsically powerful of those three creatures, and I don't mind being green. It's a two-drop. It's a great two-drop in a format where there aren't good two-drops, so I think I would just land on the Thorn Lieutenant here, pack one, pick one. Yeah, I'm on Thorn Lieutenant as well for all the reasons you stated. Kentaro grabbed Boggart Brute, so we may see another draft with preferences towards aggressive red X strategies here. Uh, pack one, pick two, you see... Take Vengeance, you see a Snapping Drake, that's three and a blue for the three-two with flying. Your Uncommons, you've got an Enigma Drake, you've got that Ether Shield Artificer, you've got a Militia Bugler, that's two and a white for a two-three with Vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, you look at the top four cards of your library and you may reveal a creature card with power two or less from among them and put that card into your hand. And the rare is Liliana, Untouched by Death, something something zombie. Yeah, uh, so... There's not really a good green card to follow up your Thorn Lieutenant with here. Uh, so I think I would be trying to decide between the two white cards and Take Vengeance and Militia Bugler. I don't really want to dip into either Shield Artificer as that's like a blue-white gold card. Mm -hmm. So between those two, you know, I initially I was I think I was on Militia Bugler. We were talking in the pre-show that, you know, that doesn't really excel in green-white usually because your creatures have more than two power. Usually Militia Bugler is outstanding in like blue-white and red-white. So I think I might actually land on Take Vengeance here and just lock up a removal spell early. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Kentaro, having the Boggart Brute in his pile, grabbed the Militia Bugler, which I think you and I think is a more maybe powerful card than Take Vengeance, but as you said, only really slots in or excels in blue, white, and red, white. But he could be just going that red, white route right away. 
Uh, pack one, pick three. You've got Vivian's Invocation as your rare. That's the five green green spell we were talking about earlier. Rabid Bite, one in a green for the sorcery. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. Another Bogger Brute and Lane in Vanguard, the single white 1-1 one, one that can grow and gain you a life a turn. Yeah, so I think if I had a Thorn Lieutenant and a Take Vengeance in my pile, I'm snapping up Rabid Bite here pretty easily over Vivian's Invocation. I think just due to like mana cost and efficient, going to do what it does much more often than Vivian's Invocation. So I think a pretty clear Rabid Bite for me. Yeah, that makes sense to me with what you have and would not make sense to me for what Kentaro has. And he agrees and grabs a Boggart Brute number two for his pile here. So really looking like he's going that aggressive route. Moving on to pack one, pick four. You see an Aerial Engineer. That's two white blue for the uncommon 2-4 that gets plus 2, plus 0, and flying as long as you control an artifact. Gallant Cavalry. Three and a white for the 2-2 with Vigilance, and when it enters the battlefield, you get to make another 2-2 with Vigilance. Make a Stand. Two and a white for the instant. All creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and indestructible until end of turn. Another take vengeance and a skeleton archer. Three and a black for the three, three that ETBs and deals one damage to any target. Yeah, this is an interesting pick here on coverage. Uh, they were talking about gallant cavalry versus make a stand here for Kentaro Yamamoto, which I think is right. What he's considering in his red white uh, deck that he's started off drafting a little bit here. And Paul Rietzel, I think, was making the point that he would be on Gallant Cavalry here because the good creatures that bring two bodies along with them are irreplaceable in red-white. And the Anthem effects like Make a Stand or Inspired Charge or Trumpet Blast are sort of interchangeable. So he would have been on Gallant Cavalry there. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So I, I could see that for Kentaro Yamamoto. For myself, having Thorn Lieutenant, Take Vengeance, and a Rabid Bite, I think I'm just landing on Gallant Cavalry here, locking up a good dude. Uh, in green white in the four drop slot and and you know i'm fine being green white i'm fine moving off of green and drafting white x all that seems good to me and you want gallant cavalry number one over take vengeance number two yes can you talk about why that is that seems counterintuitive to me based on the feelings i have about how fours and fives get so clogged in the format and how you feel like removal is super important to not die to bombs so I just wonder why you don't want a second take vengeance here. I think that's a pick order thing for me. Like I think I think those two are right next to each other in like the white power level rankings. And you did like you did mention that it's a an inconsistent removal spell. I think I feel much better about being white. Like white decks want to attack. Uh, so I feel much better about being white with a creature and a take vengeance as opposed to two take vengeances. I, I don't know. Uh, that's hard for me to put into words but i feel fairly good about that pick yeah i i just i feel like i mean i like gallant cavalry a lot but it's not super exciting and i just feel like i can always get four drop creatures especially if i end up in green but who knows that i will with just having picked the thorn lieutenant and the rabid bites see i still feel i just feel so i don't even have that like instinct of like well i have the gallant cavalry feels like the pick but i don't know why feeling i'm just like what do i take <laughs> kentaro grabs make a stand here he chose to grab the anthem effect rather than the creature that brought along multiple bodies as you talked about paul Rietzel commenting on pack one pick five we've got another take vengeance we've got a dark dweller oracle this is one in red for a two two and has an activated ability of one sacrifice a creature to exile the top card of your library and you may play that card until end of turn snapping drake disperse and Fountain of Renewal here. That's a single mana artifact. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you gain a life and you can pay three to sacrifice it to draw a card. Yeah, so for me, having Thorn Lieutenant 
Take Vengeance, Rabid Bite, and Gallant Cavalry. Uh, there's not, you know, solid green or white options here except for Take Vengeance. So I think I'm snapping up Take Vengeance. None of those other cards are really good enough to push me in a new direction, despite Dark Dweller being like a very solid card. It doesn't really make me want to play red. I think I'd land on a second Take Vengeance here. And Kentaro Yamamoto is thrilled to see this nice little two drop with upside here for him in red in Dark Dweller Oracle. Grabs that and moves on. As we move through the rest of the draft, he really just stays in the lane of red-white aggro, uh, grabs a pretty good deck at the end of it all, and ends up 2-1-ing the pod. But I think that first pick sort of determines what what you end up in here. Like if you first pick Thorn Lieutenant, you end up taking a very different route through the draft. So that Bogart Brute versus Thorn Lieutenant pick, pack one, pick one, really set the, set the tone for the different routes we took. Yeah, it's just so funny to me because 10 out of 10 times I will take Thorn Lieutenant over Boggart Brute here. So I'm like never going to end up on that path. Yep, I agree. And maybe that's something we're both doing wrong. Neither of us, you know, for Red White supposedly being the best deck in the format, I've drafted it once now, I think. Don't think I'm going to check my spreadsheet right now. I don't think I've drafted it yet. No, I've, I'm 80 drafts deep almost, and I haven't drafted red-white. There's something wrong there if that's the best deck in the format or one of the best decks in the format. I just don't know how to get into it because all the pieces look so underpowered to me. Right. And so if I have to make these picks where I'm taking like Bogger Brute over Thorn Lieutenant, I don't know how to do that because that just seems so counterintuitive to what I'm used to doing. Right. It goes against every bone in your draft player's body. Yeah, for sure. All right, we got another one here. Moving on to Ken Yukihiro's draft number one uh, of day two here. Are you ready to take a seat? Yeah, I think I'm going to be much more in line with what Ken's got going on. Yeah, Ken smashed this draft. Pack one, pick one. You see the following options. Rabid Bite, Gargoyle Sentinel, three mana for the artifact creature, three, three. You can pay three mana to have it lose defender and gain flying until end of turn. Murder, one black, black for the instant destroy target creature. And Vivian's Invocation, that seven mana green sorcery. Yeah, this is just an easy murder, I think. Not much to discuss here. Yep, slamming murder. Pack one, pick two. You see the following options. Take Vengeance, Gallant Cavalry, Skeleton Archer, Aerial Engineer, the blue-white gold card, and Herald of Faith, three white-white for a 4-3 flyer, and when it attacks, you gain two life. So I really want to play murder if I can. Skeleton Archer seems like too big of a power level dip here to grab second to stay black versus some of the other options in the pack. Herald of Faith... There's another great five drop in the black-white life gain deck, um, but that is a super powerful card, and I am going to grab that here. Yep, I would as well. Moving on to pack one, pick three. You see the following options. Snapping Drake, three and a blue for the 3-2 flyer. Bristling Boar, Dark Dweller Oracle, that red rare two drop that you can sacrifice creatures to exile the top card of your library and play it. And Plague Mayor, one black black for the 2-2. Two, two. When it ETBs, creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one until end of turn and can't be blocked by white creatures. I love Plague Mare a lot. I think it's such a versatile spell. It really gives you game against those aggressive starts and also is never really dead because you can set up some maybe attacks where then post-combat the minus one, minus one kills a creature or pre-combat, you play it and shrink all their stuff. And then it's sort of like an angel of the dawn proxy kind of effect. I just think the card is really, really strong and I would be thrilled to grab it here. Yep, I agree. Moving on to pack one, pick four. You see the following options. Macabre Waltz, one in a black, return two creatures from your graveyard to your hand, then discard a card. Omen Speaker, one in a blue for the one three, when it ETBs, scry two. Rock's Oracle, 
four and a green for the four two and ETB's draw card and fiery finish for red red for the sorcery deal seven damage to target creature. We've just been plowing through talking about our own picks. We should also mention that Ken Yukihiro is in line with all three of the picks that we've made so far as well. Like we said, we crushed the GP. Didn't you hear us earlier? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was we can I'll edit that out afterwards. This pick, I think, is actually kind of interesting because Macabalt's being the only black card worth talking about here, but probably not the strongest. It is a card that I want in a lot of my black decks, but I also feel like I generally don't want to unless I'm like in a really good grindy version of like a green black or a red black deck. So taking one this early doesn't seem great. Feels like if black is open, if black is what I'm supposed to be doing, I should be able to grab a copy of Macabre Waltz at some point. That said, I'm not sure any of these other cards make me want to move off of the possibilities of being black white with that herald of faith so taking something like an omen speaker or a rocks oracle to sort of hedge black blue or black green that sort of thing doesn't feel great to me so i think i would just grab macabre here sadly but just try and stay black for as long as possible i think i would land on omen speaker because of what you said i think i only ever want one macabre in my deck and i think i will probably get one at some point in the draft and if blue ends up being where i am supposed to be I will really like having Omen Speaker as one of the best two drops in the format in my deck. That makes sense. Ken also agrees and slammed Omen Speaker there. I don't know if he slammed it. Okay, let's not. (laughs) Who knows how he behaved with the card? Well, there's no way to know. I don't know if he slammed a pack one pick for Omen Speaker. We'll have to go watch the VOD, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure I'm pretty sure it was full windmill. Pack one, pick five. You see the following options. Sky Scanner, three mana for the one, one flyer. When it ETBs, you draw a card. Marauder's Axe, the equipment that gives plus two, plus oh. Another Macabre Waltz. Gigantosaurus, the rare triple green. No, quad, no quintuple green. <laughs> and Enigma Drake, one blue red for that O4 flyer that gets plus one, plus oh for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard. Yeah, this pack makes me sad about taking Macabre Waltz last because I <laughs> see another one here. As I said, if you want them, you can get them. Maybe I would just grab a Sky Scanner here, try and stay colorless. That pack one pick five Enigma Drake is really staring me in the face. I mean, I'm thinking about what we talked about last week about when these cards are signals and Enigma Drake fifth. That definitely feels like a signal that blue red might be open, but that makes me have to give up on murder and plague mare and potentially herald of faith which also does not sit well with me so i don't know i feel kind of torn and i think i might in the heat of the moment just stick with the the cards that i've got in my pile and grab a sky scanner but i could definitely see if some picks came down the line if i like saw an avon wind mage next i'd feel real regret about not grabbing that drake yeah i think i'm exactly with you i'm between sky scanner and enigma drake for myself and i think i would despite us all the talk about enigma drake being a signal i think i would chicken out and grab sky scanner as well and play it safe i think giving up on murder and plague mare is like a pretty high cost but uh ken does grab the enigma drake and i really like that pick from him i think it shows somebody that's staying open and is familiar with the format and knows how good enigma drake is and probably he won't miss a sky scanner that much in the final build if blue red is where he's supposed to be. I think he's probably taking it and just being very willing to move off of it. I also think this highlights the flexibility of a pick like Omen Speaker pack four that you and he both took that like you don't feel as bad about grabbing the Enigma Drake when you're like, well, I've got an Omen Speaker in my pile already. I think that leads to a lot of flexible picks down the line. Moving on to pack one, pick six, you see the following options. Disperse, one and a blue for the instant return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Blood Divination, three and a black as an additional cost, sack a creature, and draw three cards. 
Epicure of Blood, four and a black for the four, four. And when you gain a life, each opponent loses one life. This is interesting. So I'm happy to see a couple playable black cards here with Divination and Epicure. I don't know what I would take here. If I've got the Herald of Faith, I mean, we have not seen basically any white. So I'm not really holding out that black, white life gain is going to be open. But grabbing Blood Divination in a black X deck, that can be good, like depending on how many, if you get a Doom Dissenter or a Reassembling Skeleton, something like that. Or really even just with Omen Speaker, that can work out pretty well. So I think maybe with all this talk of five drops getting pretty clogged in the format, I think I might lean on Blood Divination here. Yep, that makes sense to me. I think I would do that as well. And Ken agrees and puts Blood Divination gently into his pile. <laughs> pack one, pick seven. I uh, see the following options. Cancel, one blue, blue, counter target spell, abnormal endurance, one in a black, target creature gets plus two plus O, oh, and when it dies, return it to the battlefield tapped, and Salvager of Secrets, the 2-2 two -two that rebuys an instant or a sorcery. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to grab the black card here with Abnormal Endurance, but I'm pretty happy to see a Salvager this late. That's going to make me feel pretty sad about passing the Omen Speaker, but also going to lean me towards looking at blue-black being my options for this draft. Yeah, I think I would also take Abnormal Endurance and, similar to you, be keeping an eye on blue down the road. So I think that's a fine place to wrap things up. And Ken ended up blue-black with multiple mirror entities that did serious work in his deck, um, and he ended day two draft one as the only undefeated player in the GP. Yeah, his deck was pretty sweet to watch. All right, we're going to jump ahead to the top eight. We've got a couple drafts from the top eight to take a look at here, Ben. So you've made it through day one of the GP. You sweated through sealed. You got through the two drafts. You're in top eight. You ready to take a seat? I am. I much prefer backseat drafting at GPs than, than actually traveling to the GPs. This is great. Yeah, much, much better. Would recommend. All right, pack one, pick one. Following cards in consideration, Luminous Bonds. First one we've gotten to talk about today. Two and a white for the Aura. Enchanted Creature cannot attack or block. Aven Windmage, two and a blue for the 2-2 Flyer that has Pseudo Prowess. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Lightning Strike, one and a red for the instant. Deal three damage to any target. Dark Dweller Oracle, that's that one and a red 2-2 rare we've been talking about. And Skilled Animator, two and a blue for the 1-3. When it enters the battlefield, target artifact you control becomes a creature with base power and toughness 5-5 five, five, until Skilled Animator leaves the battlefield. Yeah, this is a tough pick here. There are a lot of evenly powered options. I think I would be trying to decide between Luminous Bonds, Lightning Strike, and Skilled Animator. I think Lightning Strike's a better card than Dark Dweller Oracle in a vacuum. Although Dark Dweller Oracle does turn on a whole deck as a sacrifice outlet. I don't know. That's close. Yeah, I was sort of surprised to hear you say Skilled Animator, I guess because it's a blue card, but like Skilled Animator over Dark Dweller Oracle, those both feel like sort of niche cards that you have to work towards maximizing. Yeah, I don't know. And what would you be on between Lightning Strike and Dark Dweller Oracle? I think I'd be on Lightning Strike just because of how much I feel like I've been undervaluing removal based on my conversations with you over the past couple weeks. Dark Dweller Oracle really excites me. The most fun I've had in this format is playing Red Black Sacrifice. I feel like that deck has the most like game to it, and it most lines up with what I like to do in Magic. So I would be very tempted by Dark Dweller Oracle here, but I think Lightning Strike feels like the better pick. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, for me, I think I would just take Luminous Bonds because it's close with everything else, and white's far and away the color I want to be most. I think I would take Luminous Bonds here, pack one, pick one. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think white is a better color, but I think I would just be on Lightning Strike here for it's cheap, it's instant, it's flexible. 
there's just not a lot of that in this format for two or one mana. Um, Kentaro also grabs Lightning Strike here. So we've got two on Lightning Strike, one on Luminous Bonds. Pack one, pick two. You see a Pegasus Courser. That's two and a white for the one three with flying. And when it attacks, it can give another creature that is attacking flying until end of turn. Lightning Mare. Red, red for the three one. Can't be countered. Can't be blocked by blue creatures and has Smoke Breathing, one and a red to give it plus one, plus oh until end of turn. Druid of the Cowl. Paul Ritzel said he had talked to people who said this was the best common in the set. One and a green for a 1-3 that taps for a green mana. Bristling Boar, three and a green for a 4-3 that can only be blocked by one creature. And Draconic Disciple, one green red for the 2-2, taps for a mana of any color, and you can pay seven tap and sacrifice it to make a 5-5 dragon creature token with flying. Yeah, I texted you last night The Druid of the Cowl was officially firmly hands down the best green common, and I believe that to be true. I don't know about the best common in the set, though. No, I don't think it's the best common in the set. But what do you? What did you think about my response? So what I said, told told Ben was, I think mana dorks that are one or two mana in green are just probably always going to be the best commons in their color. I could see that being the case, unless there's like some insanely good removal spell, but green probably is never going to get that, so that makes sense to me. I think after taking pack one, pick one luminous bonds here, I'm slamming Pegasus Courser, and I'm thrilled. Yeah, this is actually pretty interesting, and this may show me being terrible at M19. So I think with Lightning Strike first, uh, I'm not going to follow that up with Lightning Mare or Draconic Disciple as a gold card. So I'm going to take a card of a different color, and I'm going to take Druid of the Cowl here over Pegasus Courser. Why is that? I mean, I just think if it's pack one, pick one, I'm taking Druid of the Cowl over Pegasus Courser 10 out of 10 times. It's such an irreplaceable effect in this format it's a good two drop in a format where there aren't good two drops it gets you to those four drops and five drops a turn sooner just think it's a really strong card uh, yeah i probably would do that pack one pick one as well so that makes sense to me that you're going into a new color here so you want the druid of the cow kentaro also grabs a pegasus courser so he's got lightning strike and courser you've got two white cards i've got a red and a green card this is going fantastic for me pack one pick three we see a shock and electrify three and a red for the instant to deal four damage to something the ben Werney invitational card star crown stag three and a white for a three three when it attacks you tap target creature defending player controls it's still my most drafted common that is disgusting Departed Deckhand, one and a blue for the 2-2. It's a spirit. It can't be blocked except by spirits. When it becomes the target of a spell, you sacrifice it, and you can pay three and a blue to give another target creature the ability of not being able to be blocked except by spirits. Yeah, so for me, having Luminous Bonds and Pegasus Courser, this is like an easy Starcrown stag. Nothing really to talk about. Yeah, even with a Shock and an Electrify, I think I would just grab Starcrown stag. Like as my first white card, the card is super powerful and I'd be happy to pair. Now I feel like I'm starting off the draft with like a good red card, a good green card and a good white card. And I've got a lot of options moving on down the line. Right. You can go any Naya combination and feel great. Kentaro also grabs Star Crown Stag. It would be tough to imagine not doing that with the Pegasus Courser from the pick before. Pack one, pick four. You see Essence Scatter, one and a blue for the instant counter target creature spell. Spark Tongue Dragon, three red red for the three three flyer with Pseudo Kicker for two and a red. You can pay two and a red when it enters the battlefield to deal three damage to any target. And Daybreak Chaplain, one and a white for the one three with lifelink. Yeah, so having Bonds, Courser, and Stag, I'm open to any new color here, and I think Daybreak Chaplain's enough worse than Essence Scatter and Spark Tongue Dragon that I'm moving in a different direction. And I think Essence Scatter is a much better card than Spark Tongue Dragon and fits better on the curve I've got going so far, so I would be taking Essence Scatter here. 
makes sense to me. I agree that Daybreak Chaplain is not exciting, and I don't think I want to take a fourth color here with Essence Scatter, so I'm going to grab Spark Tongue Dragon. And Kentaro grabs Spark Tongue as well. It makes sense with his Lightning Strike. Probably now pretty firmly in red-white with Strike, Courser, Stag, and Dragon here. I would imagine with two red cards, two white cards. It would take a lot for him to get moved off of this, especially with how it seems like people have been favoring this color pair at the GP all weekend. Pack one, pick five. Let's see if that shakes out. Aviation Pioneer, two and a blue for a one-two. When it enters the battlefield, you make a one-one Thopter with flying. Havoc Devils, two red-red for the four-three with trample. Gearsmith Guardian, five mana, essentially four and a blue. For a three-five, it gets plus two, plus oh, as long as you control a blue creature. And Skeleton Archer. Yeah, so for me, I'm, I've am i got those three white cards, and I just picked up an Essence Scatter, and this is sort of a close pick between Pioneer and Gearsmith Guardian, because both of those cards are very at home in blue-white. You really want a critical mass of artifacts, but I think Aviation Pioneer fits better on the curve than Gearsmith Guardian, uh, and so I think I would pick that up here. Yeah, that's interesting to, for me to hear you say that it's close, because I would think if I'm in your seat that Aviation Pioneer is at least a full gradation better than Gearsmith Guardian, just based on how clogged the five drop slot can get. Yeah, I don't feel like blue white gets clogged at the five so much. I feel like blue white gets clogged at four, and it's really hard to pick up actual artifacts if you get something like Psy or, well, I guess Psy is really the only one that cares about actual artifacts so much. I guess also the other thing that I think Gearsmith Guardian has a knock against is that it's not particularly exciting with a skilled animator, if you get that. But those are all all uncommon payoffs that we're talking about here or rares. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like a, a fairly clear aviation pioneer. Yeah. Havoc Devils is what Kentaro Yamamoto wants to grab out of this pack. Pack one, pick six. He's got a choice between not very exciting picks for him, a snapping Drake, the three, two flyer in blue and a sky scanner, the one, one that draws a card. Yeah, I'm slamming snapping Drake here and I'm very excited about being in blue white. Yeah, I mean, you navigated this draft, I think, the best so far, at least the most flexible. You've led yourself to a deck or a pile of cards so far that I'd be the most excited about, having some strong white cards and picking up on these late blue cards, especially the Flyers. Kentaro also grabs a Snapping Drake, but that's his first blue card here and is probably not what he's looking to do. Right, that's surprising to me that he doesn't just stick to his guns and pick up Skyscanner there. But like, is Skyscanner what a red-white deck wants? That can't be anything you're excited about having in your three-drop slot while you're trying to like curve out and go wide. Yeah, probably not, except it replaces itself. Like a creature that replaces itself for things like, you know, the mass pump effects doesn't seem like the worst, but I agree, you're probably not thrilled about it. As someone who has not drafted this deck at all, it's hard for me to like talk about it with any sort of authority, but it feels almost like a tempo loss like if you're trying to affect the board and in the most ways possible to spend three mana on a one one flyer seems like you're you're under curving yeah except it's like evasive it wears a marauder's axe i don't know i think there's a little more to be said for it than that but i agree probably not ideal but then i've maybe been thinking about the card slightly wrong in uh in those kinds of decks. I don't know. I've only drafted it once, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> we, right. We need a guest. We need a guest. We need a red-white guest. Kentaro moves to the draft, sticking to his red-white guns. He ended with red-white beats, three copies of Oresco Swiftclaw. That's the one on a white 3-1. Two copies of Ben Wernie Starcrown Stag. Lots of Mass Pump and Gallant Cavalries. But he ended up losing in the corner finals to the other draft we're going to check out here. Yeah, and that's Dan Troja, who uh, vanquished... Kentaro Yamamoto in the quarterfinals. So would you like to take a seat? I would love to take a seat here. Okay. 
Pack one, pick one, you see the following options. Skeleton Archer, three and a black for that three, three that deals one damage when it ETBs. Aviation Pioneer, the one, two that brings along a one, one flyer artifact with it. Siegebreaker Giant, three red, red for the six, three trample and can pay three and a red for target creature not to be able to block this turn. Vine Mare, Psychic Symbiont, that's the blue, black, gold card. Uh, three, three flyer when ETBs, you draw a card, your opponent discards a card. And Chaos Wand, three mana for the artifact with four tap and spin the wheel and look for an instant or sorcery from your opponent's deck and you may cast that card. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of powerful cards here. Psychic Symbiont, Vine Mare, Siegebreaker Giant, good flexible cards like Aviation Pioneer. But I think Vine Mare is just enough better than the other cards in the pack and is single colored that I would grab it here. Yeah, I agree. And Dan does as well. So all three of us on Vine Mare. I think pack one, pick two is going to be a cakewalk. There's a Lich's Caress an Enigma Drake, and a Dryad Green Seeker, that one in a green for the 1-3 that you can tap, look at the top card of your library, and if it's a land, you put it into your hand. Yeah, I mean, Dryad Green Seeker is, I think, pretty much widely considered the best uncommon in the set, and I don't know if I'm quite there. I don't know what else I would take over it. I haven't really thought about it, but it's super powerful. I'm definitely going to slam it here. Yep, and an easy follow-up after after starting with a green card as powerful as Vinemare. Pack one, pick three, you see the following options. Rock's Oracle, that 4-2 that draws you a card. Militia Bugler, the 2-3 that digs for their two power creatures. Lich's Caress, three black black, destroy target creature, gain three life. And Gigantosaurus, five green mana for the 10-10. Are you willing to go deep on mono green here, Ethan? I wanted, I wanted to ask you how tempted you would be to take Gigantosaurus here, but my guess is not at all. I would be mildly tempted for meme value when streaming, but I still think I would just be on Lich's Caress. <laughs> I wonder if at the GP you can take Rock's Oracle here and wheel Gigantosaurus. Like, no one else should want this card in the top eight. No one's going to rare draft it. It should go last pick, theoretically. Right. So I wonder if that's a strategy you could take. I'm not considering that to be a good strategy. So I, I would still take the removal spell here in Lich's Crest, what I have to be the best common in the set. But, you know, Gigantosaurus is tempting. Yeah. So all three of us on Lich's Caress, moving on to pack one, pick four. See the following options. Cavalry Drillmaster, one and a white for the two one. When it ETBs, target creature gets plus two plus oh and first strike until end of turn. Oaken form, two and a green for the enchantment that gives plus three plus three to a creature. Epicure of Blood, four and a black for the four four. Uh, when you gain a life, your opponent loses a life. And Brawl Bash Ogre, two black red for the three three menace. And when it attacks, you can sacrifice a creature. If you do, it gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So this is where I'm going to diverge from Dan. I would take Brawl Bash Ogre here to follow up the Lich's Caress pick. As loath as I am to try and move off of Vine Mare or Dryad Greenseeker, Brawl Bash Ogre fourth is a signal of sorts to me, and I don't feel like I'm losing out on much by passing up on the only green card in the pack being Oaken Form. Um, if I'm going to be in green and want auras, I feel like I will get the auras. And if Black Red is what's open, if green ends up being cut to my right, and I don't get to play the Vine Mare and the Green Seeker, I'm going to be happy that I moved in on this signal here that maybe the Black Red Sacrifice deck is open. I agree with you completely. I would have also been on Brawl Bash over here for the reasons you mentioned. Dan stuck to his guns and grabbed Oaken Form. Pack one, pick five, you see the following options. There's a two-headed zombie, three and a black for the 4-2 Menace, Naturalize, Destroy Target Artifact or Enchantment, Highland Game, one and a green for the 2-1, a white-black dual land, Skilled Animator, the two blue one three that animates an artifact into a five five, and Vampire Neonate, single black for the O three that has two tap. Target opponent loses a life, you gain a life. Yeah, Vampire Neonate, a great one drop in a format where there aren't even good two drops. Um, I think that that would be my pick here. 
moving in on this black signal with the caress and the brawl bash ogre. Maybe I'm still black green. Maybe I get to be the black red deck. Who knows? But I'm happy to have Neonate in my pile. Yeah, uh, I agree. And so does Dan. We all pick up a vampire Neonate here. The rest of the draft shakes out pretty clearly in pack one, grabs a bristling boar, then a plummet, then a vampire Neonate and solidifies himself into black green with sort of those cards we've mentioned so far. A very interesting pack two pick one, I thought. You drew to the cowl versus Lich's caress. What would you be on there? If my curve is as we're looking here and we've got only the one Lich's caress so far, I would grab caress number two, I think. I think it would also depend if I, like, I guess if I felt like there was any flexibility in terms of like, well, I could still not be black or I could still not be green, then I would lean towards whichever color I felt like I was definitely going to be in. But if I know I'm going to be black green or if I feel like I'm going to be black green, I think I need to take the second Lich's Caress. It's just that kind of removal that's like unconditional, that does gain you some life, that has synergies and also can help you get dug out of a hole that you've made for yourself. I think that card is just enough better than Druid of the Cowl to grab there. Right. I agree. I think so, too. And we've already got the Dryad Green Seeker sort of not really ramping you, but filling a similar role to Druid of the Cowl as a great two drop. Mm hmm. And he ended up black green good stuff, had a poison tip archer, was heavier on green than black, uh, had a colossal majesty in the pile that was picked over a thorn lieutenant. That was a little bit of a, a contentious pick for coverage. And I think for me as well, I think I'd have grabbed the thorn lieutenant there. And then pack three, pick one, another very interesting pick. Would you have taken your black green, just great cards? Would you have taken prodigious growth or vampire sovereign? I think prodigious growth, that's the four green green aura that gives the creature plus seven plus seven and trample. I think prodigious growth is a bomb. I would grab that. Yeah, that's what Dan did as well. I think I'd have been on Vampire Sovereign there. I've not played with prodigious growth and only played against it a couple times. I mean, do you not find it to be backbreaking or do you just always have your take vengeances? Uh, I've had removal. I've not lost to it yet, but I think I've been I've been fortunate to not lose to it. I have won with it and lost to it many times so far. I think, yeah, I think that card decides games pretty quickly. And another interesting spot, and I don't know what Dan ended up doing here. He ended up with two Skyrider patrols. Uh, that's the blue-green gold uncommon that he could have splashed. And I think were I him, I would have leaned toward not because his power level seemed through the roof, but could have had that as an option as well and ended up losing in the semifinals to Nathaniel Knox with what I think was a great deck and a great draft. This is a really interesting top eight. I watched most of it last night as we were going through checking out the drafts and I wanted to see how some decks played out. Uh, I thought the top eight was pretty interesting, limited considering how much I dislike M19. Yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap up our GP draft recap here. And I'm glad we got a chance to do this since there isn't a Pro Tour one. And as I feel at the end of every episode that we record, I do. I'm like, now nah, I want to go draft because I feel like I've got just like a little bit more information or a little bit more thoughts about how to navigate these these tough picks, I mean, a lot of the times I feel like these drafts can feel kind of straightforward if you do end up identifying that early open color or color pair. But a lot of times, as we've seen from some drafts that we looked at today, it doesn't always shake out that way. You do have to bob and weave. You do have to make some hedge picks. And I think that this format does offer those interesting decisions down the road. Yeah, I agree completely. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. The M19 treasure hunt is underway. If you want to participate in that, you can take some screenshots of your sweet, sweet board states, send them to us, clip them, send them to Twitter or our email address. If you complete five achievements, you are entered into a giveaway for a draft set of the current draft format. 
Yeah, and if you want that achievement list, uh, we always have that in Discord for patrons as well as uh, anyone can just stop by Ethan or my stream and there's a command exclamation point treasure hunt and you can check out the achievement list that way. What is our Twitch handles, you say? Well, you can go to twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for Ben. We're on Twitter under those same usernames and you can always tweet at the podcast as well at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Am I taking you through here? You're taking yeah. me through, aren't you? No, it's you. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like wondering why you weren't saying what Ken did. <laughs> this will be a good outro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, now see, it's now it's lost all of its charm because you're just flubbing on purpose. <laughs> no, that no, that's raw talent there. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Do you know what pick we're on? I do, or I'm <laughs> screw you. <laughs> <laughs>